Yesterday, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was betrayed by one of his own and arrested. The last meal he had was with his disciples, his faithful 12. During this meal, he initiates communion, which is what we just did. We do communion in remembrance of what Jesus did for us on this day. He's then taken to the Pharisees' house, the religious leaders, where he's interrogated, punched, spit on, kept awake all night, tortured, beaten, just short of death, made fun of. Finally, morning comes. The Roman soldiers place a crown of thorns upon his head and they dress him up in a scarlet robe. Hail to the king of Jews, they mocked. All while spitting on him. And they had a rod, a stick, they're beating him in the head. Later that day, he's taken outside the city as the crowd is yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Naked, he is finally nailed to the cross and dies. Prophecy has been fulfilled. But why do we recognize today with the title of Good Friday? It certainly wasn't a good day for Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us this. Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who pioneered and perfects our faith, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And all of it is because of what Jesus submitted himself to 2,000 years ago on this day. He did not just start it on the cross. He finished it on the cross. He is more than our example to follow. He is our final destination. And this is what gives him great joy. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Every time a person repents of their wicked ways and turns to Jesus, great joy is found in the heart of our Savior. That is what gives him great joy. He did it all for them. He does it all for us. He endured it all knowing that it would bring each one of us into a relationship with him. Not just here on earth, but for eternity. Eternity is something that our finite minds know nothing about. He endured the shame of the public humiliation without saying a word. Ridiculed while hanging on the cross. A sign above him that read, King of the Jews. 
people yelling, if he is the Messiah, if he is God's chosen one, let him save himself. He saved others. Now's the time for us to watch him save himself. And finally, no more breath in his lungs to breathe. His gruesome, torturous day comes to an end. And he gives up his spirit and dies. So again, the question begs to be asked. What was so good about today? For starters, three days later, Jesus was seen alive. Raised from the dead. The stone rolled in front of the tomb is now rolled away from the tomb. He's no longer in the grave. But this is just the start of the good to come. Because of what Jesus endured on the cross, because of what he submitted himself to, total forgiveness can be found in Jesus and only in Jesus. The moment we put our trust, the moment we put our faith in Jesus, we now have a clear conscience of all the wrongdoings that we have done. And we, are no, we no longer have to carry that around with us. Total forgiveness is received. The weight of guilt, shame, Regret, remorse, these things are all lifted from us. And we no longer carry that around. Jesus nailed it to the cross. Colossians chapter 2 says this. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Jesus paid the debt that we can never pay. And he canceled all charges against us and nailed them to the cross. This church is called grace. God gives us what we need, not what we deserve. Ephesians chapter 1. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us our sins. Everything. Everything God does is because of his grace. Think about that for a minute. Just take a minute to think about that. Think about the mistakes you've done, the things you've said, the second chances you wish you could have back. The things you do that nobody knows about. Think about that for a minute. It is because grace is why we can come to Jesus over and over and over and over again and receive forgiveness of all those things. Romans chapter 4. He was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Jesus is your Savior. You are now right with God. The reason Jesus died on the cross was because of our sins. He is the Son of God, 
And when he walked the earth as a human, he was a man who knew no sin. No different than any of us. And he was raised to life so he could make us right with God. This is the joy that he gets from the cross. The only one qualified to forgive us of our sins and make us right with God is Jesus. And right now, while Jesus is in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and we are here on earth, dealing with a broken and a corrupt world due to the sin of mankind. This brings us to another reason why he allowed himself to be nailed to the cross. So he would be able to offer healing to those who call upon his name. Jesus wants us to be healed of all things. We just read it. Elric read it. Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Peter quotes this exact verse in 1 Peter chapter 2. This is prophecy. <clears throat> the Old Testament Isaiah spoke of this, and then it happened. But Jesus' very own people missed it. Because of the rebellion of mankind that took place in the garden, the trust between man and God was broken. You can have all of this, God said to Adam and Eve. Just don't eat the fruit from that tree. Satan, the serpent, comes along and tempts them, and they eat it, bringing sin into the world. That's what free will does. It was free will that broke the trust between mankind and God. Everything is now broken. Nothing on earth functions as it was originally intended to. This is why we deal with death and disease and sickness and destruction and bad things. Everything is broken. The, the, the system of nature is broken. The system of our weather is broken. Our political systems are broken. Our relational systems are broken. Everything is broken because sin entered the world. Jesus came, though, so that we might find healing and wholeness in him. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed Every kind of disease and illness. Jesus wants to see all things restored again. And they will be at some, and they will be at some time in the future. But until then, until then, we only get a small taste of what is to come. Those moments in worship 
when God's Holy Spirit just fills you up and you cry and you laugh and you, you sense something you've never sensed before. That's the wholeness of God, the presence of God's Holy Spirit filling you up. That's a little, little, tiny taste of what is to come. By putting our faith in Jesus, we can receive healing and restoration in all areas. Mind, body, and soul. <clears throat> Mental, physical, and spiritual. As well as relational. Whatever needs healed, whatever needs made whole again, Jesus offers his presence and power. This verse in Matthew here tells us that Christianity is a preaching and teaching and healing faith. All of us, all of us have things we're dealing with. Some of us have received healing. Some of us will receive healing. And some of us will continue to hold on to that hope for a healing. I don't have an answer as to why one person gets healed and another does not. It can be a complicated issue. There could be things involved. Or there could not be. To me, that's one of those mysteries of God, and only he knows the answer. And I have to trust that he knows what's best. I have to trust the process of my creator. There was a story where Jesus went into the pool of Bethesda, where all the crippled people were, and he healed one person, just one, and left. To me, that's a mysterious <laughs> time of day. <laughs> Why did he heal just one? I don't know. But I have to trust he knew best. What I do know, what I do know is that God does not appoint sickness upon us. If he is a God full of grace and mercy for those who call upon his son for salvation, it would go against his character to pour anything other than grace and mercy upon us. And what I do know about the mysteries of healing is this. Romans chapter 8. Prior to the passage we're about to read, the Apostle Paul writes that all the earth is groaning, all of nature, everything out there, the trees and the animals and the grass and the flowers is all groaning for that time when perfection takes place again. And then he says, and we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. Until then, church, we hold on to the hope that someday, 
in eternity, we will have new bodies just as God promised. It's part of our inheritance as believers. The Apostle Paul touches on it here to the church in Rome. And Peter touches on it in his books as well. An incorruptible inheritance that does not rot, does not rust, does not fade away, does not decay, is waiting for us in heaven. Hope is a powerful thing to hold on to. Do not ever lose hope of receiving a healing. I watch this ministry sometimes, and uh, there's a person that's a part of the ministry, and they have whatever kind of sickness it is, but they're, they're a little, they're not 100%, and they have an oxygen tank. And it's a healing ministry. But this person goes out and heals strangers on the street. Figure that one out. That person is holding on to the hope that someday they will receive their healing. But until then, I'm going to walk out the will of God for my life. Hope is a powerful thing to hold on to. Not only did Jesus pay for the forgiveness of our sins on the cross, but he also provides comfort to deal with the afflictions we may find ourselves dealing with. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles. That's who our God is. That's who our Jesus is. He comforts us in all our troubles. I want to end with a story from Revelations, a passage from the book of Revelation. And it's in verse 21. Revelation 21, verse 3. This is, the disciple John wrote this. And this is what he saw with his very own eyes. Everything he wrote in this book of Revelation is what he saw and heard with his very own eyes. He didn't dream this up. He didn't imagine it. He didn't think it. He saw it and he heard it. Listen to this. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look. God's home is now among his people. He will live with him with them and they will be with and and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, "Look, I am making everything new." And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. 
To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all the blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. This is where our hope lies. This is what we have to hold on to as we look forward to our future with Jesus. This is what we tell others about. This is the joy Jesus had when he endured the cross. The day we will all be together and God will make his home with us forever. The day we will inherit all the blessings God has for each of us to enjoy forever. But until then, until then, we hold on to the hope that is in his word and we share the goodness of God with others and we point them to Jesus, the champion of our faith. I'll leave you with this, John chapter 1. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And this church, this is what makes today a good Friday. Amen? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back, no 
turning back, no turning back, no turning back, no turning back. No turning back. No turning Jesus.